This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today I would like to talk to you about grubs. Yeah, those fat little worms, oftentimes white colored, that inhabit your garden and cause havoc, and why your garden is so inviting to them. All this and more on today's Desert Horticulture. The term grub is actually a technical name for scientists who study bugs like entomologists. A grub, when you're talking to them, a grub will have a specific uh, description, it will have a specific name, but when you're talking to homeowners, they don't really follow the scientific method, the scientific terms. So a grub to them is just something that's not wanted. It lives, it's living underground. Oftentimes it's white or gray. It's not on the surface of the soil. <clears throat> Those are things like cutworms and armyworms, which is also an immature form of a bug. But when we're talking about grubs, they mean worms that eat roots of plants. Those are what grubs are to them. <clears throat> and those can be white or cream colored. They can be off colored. But in a grub, in, to a scientist, will mean a certain stage in development. And typically, when we're talking about grubs, we're talking about an instar or a stage of development of an animal, an insect, just before it becomes an adult. And when we're talking about grubs, they typically will locate themselves where they can feed, much like boring insects, borers. They, where they can feed, they can gain size, and then they go through a very a, a stage of development. They pupate, they stop, and they turn into an adult. In this case, the adult form is typically uh, something related to a June bug. You know, those those brown or green or off-colored, sometimes they have lines on them. Uh, but anyway, this, this last stage of development, the adult, which is typically a beetle of some, corn, of some type, has, has wings. Well, the grubs don't. So they have wings for a very specific reason. They fly and they find somebody to have sex with, and they go ahead and produce, the female produces eggs, and this female finds a suitable place to drop these eggs where they know that there'll be plenty of food and there's enough damage to the plants that, that they're attractive. So I had a, a question sent, sent to me. Today I found a handful of grubs in the soil surrounding several plants that are struggling and in the holes of plants that had died over the summer. For all I know, they are everywhere in large quantities and have been in my garden for years. My question is, what have I done to make my garden so welcoming? Well, the quick answer to that is you've cared for your garden. There, The plants are growing, and whenever there's a place for grubs, in this case, I think this individual is talking about 
about insects, worms, that are feeding on plant on tiny plant roots, causing some damage. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, uh, uh, let's in a real general sense, let's talk about grubs, let's talk about the adult forms, and let's talk about the damage that they create and why they come into specific yards and not other yards. Well, generally speaking, as I said earlier, the female that has the eggs, once she's had sex with a male out there, once she's had sex, she's going to look for a spot to lay her eggs where there's food and there's shelter and there's some place where, where her babies are going to have the best chance of surviving. So that means that you have provided all of those necessary things. You've provided food. You've provided shelter. You've provided something You've created a space that is enticing to these beetles that are dropping eggs because they so love you. They love what you've done with your plants. They love the fact that your plants are growing so successfully. So, in many ways, it's kind of a backwards compliment, isn't it? I mean, they picked your yard out of all of the neighbor yards to invade and drop their eggs so that their little tiny larvae, the grubs, the little tiny grubs, can grow and prosper and survive. And then when, when they're large enough and when the weather is the right stage of development, they'll go ahead and pupate. They change into an adult so they can repeat the cycle. So the answer to your first question is, no, those worms have not been there, have not been there forever. Not They have not been there for two or three years, but they have found your yard to be very enticing. Very enticing. So what can you do? Let's understand a little bit of the biology of these guys. In most cases, the grubs are start to develop, Start the, the female starts to lay her eggs after she's emerged in typically the late fall or very early spring. And then she'll drop her eggs in areas of the yard that she's found enticing and suitable for her young. And, that, and, and then those young will feed off of little tiny roots that are starting to develop. And once we get a, over a certain number of these, most likely the plants in your yard all have grubs. But the ones that died have more than necessary, more than, than, than is common. Then, so what I'm trying to say is plants do recover. If they've had some damage, they do recover. But if the damage is so great by these grubs that it constantly feeds on these roots and attacks these roots, and as these tiny roots get less and less available, they're going to focus on food. They can't go anywhere. They, well, they can go, but they're very small and tiny. They, they'll typically feed the grubs that we're talking about now. They'll typically feed on their backs. They'll typically have legs. So they can crawl around to different spots. They don't just eat an area and then 
starve to death. They're going to crawl on their backs to someplace else. And while they're eating, they're defecating, they're pooping. They're improving the soil with your plant roots that you've been wanting to keep. So what are we going to do about that? So the, the bottom line in this is that your, your landscape has become very inviting to these grubs. And it's the kind of plants that they like. Large, woody roots, they don't like so much. But they like those little tender roots that are just coming out. And that's why we see it on such things as lantana. We'll find them in. They love lantana because the roots are so tender. And, and any of your flowering plants, any of your small flowering plants, they'll usually like them. They don't typically like the ones that don't taste good. But they like the ones that are sweet, don't they? So the, the, the adults that they typically turn into, in the, if we're talking about the eastern, northeastern United States, the one that everybody is afraid of is, and talks about is the Japanese beetle. Well, we don't typically have Japanese beetle, at least in Nevada that I'm aware of, or in southern Nevada in particular, so, but we have other type of beetles that will produce worms called grubs from a, another sense. And those are the June beetles, the brown ones, that the scarab beetles, the ones that have little hooks and things on their legs. They can grab onto plant parts and feed. Then we have the green metallic uh, beetle, which is also, which is also um, produces those white grubs as, a, as the last stage before it becomes an adult, before it pupates. Remember that last stage just gets bigger and bigger because it's got so much food around it. So you've got these grubs and then they start to emerge at a certain time of the year. Typically, well, and June, bottles, uh, June, June bugs, they typically will uh, emerge sometime in midsummer. When these guys are emerging, what are they doing? They're looking for not so much typically food so much, but they're looking for a mate. They're looking at reproducing if it's a female. And if it's a male, it wants to reproduce. And then the female looks for some place to drop her eggs, and then they continue to feed. These white grubs continue to get bigger and bigger and feeding and feeding. So when is the ideal time to look at them? Probably, they call them June bugs, but they're not really June bugs. They're not June bugs. They're usually at some other time of the year. So when are these guys typically out flying? Well, I would say the time to treat is probably very early in the spring when things start to grow, especially the roots of plants. And then again, you'll want to look at them after they've deposited their eggs. So after midsummer is another time to look for them. I, I, w I went through, I looked at some uh, posts going on, and they're telling them organic controls and how to control them organically and whatnot. And I'm not a big proponent of it because oftentimes it doesn't work. And if you've got a big yard, you've got a really big, big, big job to do if you're going to treat, if you're going to 
look for these worms. If you're going to find, first of all, you have to find the plants that they like the most, the roots of plants that they like the most, and then you're going to have to dig around and, and look for them and see if you can find them. Generally speaking, if there is an area on a plant, a small plant, that has more than 10 of those grubs, you're in trouble. The plant is in trouble. If there's one or two, the plant will survive. And it'll grow new roots, new roots, and it will, it will survive and and make it through that time period of time. And you won't see, most likely, you won't see any difference to that plant. Maybe it'll struggle a little bit. You know, wonder what in the world? Why is that one not growing as well as the others? Well, it's very possible. It could have something to do with, with uh, root, with uh, the grubs. That maybe it, if it's if it's attractive to grubs, if it provides a food for grubs, if if it provides the shelter that they need, if the mom found that that site was a good site and wants to reproduce and says, hey, my babies will have a great time surviving in that area because there's plenty of food, there's shelter, there's not too many pests around. So, not too many other things that could attack them. So she went ahead. And she goes ahead and she favors those areas. So, what do you do? Well, before they fly, I would say, I would say, right after it starts to warm up in the Las Vegas area, that'd be probably sometime in March. March, April is when you would look. And how do you force these? How do you look? You go ahead and use a hand trowel. Typically, soapy water, dish detergent soap water, will irritate them enough, and they can move to a limited degree. And that'll be your... So if you take soapy water and you put it at the base of the plant, they're going, ah, oh, I don't like this water at all. And they start to climb up, and they become available, and you see them for some other animal. You can do that. You can take soapy water, about a tablespoon per gallon, of of dishwashing detergent around the base and mix that in a gallon of water and then pour it around the base of the plant. It typically doesn't hurt the plant too much and it's irritating enough that it will force those grubs to the surface where they can be collected or it'll be an indicator to you that that plant can be in trouble a little bit later on. But the timing is going to be critical. The timing is important. So the timing, like I said before, is about a month after new growth begins on those plants and then after you see the adults, typically midsummer and around <clears throat> around very early fall is when I would go ahead and, and see if I can find those. Another possible way is to use a pesticide, an insecticide. The typical insecticide that's used um, is uh, seven, S-E-V-I-N, or, uh, excuse me, carbaryl. But those are also dangerous for bees, as is another insecticide, a systemic insecticide called imidacloprid. So those typically, by the organic type, are not, even though they're legal, they're, they'll not endorse those kinds of of uh, of applications for those particular insecticides, that uh, you know, uh, midacloprid it comes. It's got a. It's the one that's used for borer control, and you're not supposed to eat the fruit for a good reason. Well, 
if you're not supposed to eat the fruit of fruit trees when you apply it for, let's say, peach tree and you've got borers in it because you're applying imidacle bread at the base of it and you're doing a soil drench, and and I would tell you if you're going to use that kind of stuff to to poison these borers inside the tree because it's systemic, then you don't want to eat the fruit uh, the following year. One year is, is enough to give time for it to be diluted enough where it's it could be consumed. But it makes sense to me that if you're going to apply chemicals like this, systemic chemicals, not seven so much. Seven has some other issues, but imidacloprid, because it's systemic, you always want to do it uh, after the plant has finished blooming. If it's blooming uh, all season long, then you probably want to look at some other source, some other way of controlling this insect other than a bread, a systemic insecticide that's used as a soil drench around the plants. It's very effective. I mean, if these if these if these uh, insects, these white these grubs begin feeding on them and it's got a systemic a poison inside of itself, it's going to die. So it's very effective to use it. But uh it's also got a problem because it does, uh, it can be spread to, okay, if you poison a food source to an animal and this food source becomes available for other animals to eat, then it becomes part of that chain, part of that food chain. It's not all that healthy to use. So I have mixed feelings about the use of uh, insecticides, but insecticides will work. You just have to make sure nothing around it is in bloom at the time because you want to protect the pollinators, any kind of an insect that's coming in to collect pollen. You don't want to apply it just a, a short time before it begins flowering or if it flowers all season long. You don't want to use systemic insecticides. It's okay to use a, a an insecticide that's not systemic, like, for instance, Seven or Carbaryl because those are very effective as a soil drench, but your timing, it's, you know, the the nice thing about, the nice and bad thing about imidacloprid and those systemic insecticides is they last such a long time. Once they get inside the plant, they, they stick around for a long months, months. Carbaryl doesn't do that. Seven doesn't do that. It typically lasts in sunlight maybe seven days, at, at ten days at the most, and it's gone. It's pretty much gone. So your your timing when you're using chemicals like in seven, your timing has to be just right. Remember, I told you <clears throat> there. I told you about the uh, the adults, the Japanese beetle, in the eastern United States that creates a problem. We have other oh, other insects that create white grubs that as part of their part of their system of development as well. And we have them, the, the, the June beetle, the brown June beetle, the green metallic June beetle is a problem. And one of them I have seen occasionally in, in some trees has been the ten-lined. Whenever you're seeing a, a beetle and it's got a hard shell and it has wings that it can fly off, it's probably going to be, it's probably the, the stage just before it becomes a beetle probably was a grub, probably was a whitish grub. And it's whitish because it's underground, okay? So when you're controlling them, first of all, I would recommend 
timing is the utmost important. You have to have the right time when you make that application. So you can look for indicators such as uh, you can use you can use the uh, the dishwashing detergent one teaspoon per gallon in it as an irritant to force them up. That's not always a hundred percent accurate, but it can. If there's a lot of them, it could it could cause a few of them to surface, and you go, whoa! I better get something on that plant. And you can limit the amount that you're putting down, or you can limit. You could limit it by hand digging and just removing the white grubs as you see them. Again, and it'd be about the under latter part of March, first part of April, and again, probably in, uh, that's early spring, and again, you would probably do it in, uh, after they've finished flying, about a month later, in about, uh, in our case, in about August sometime, so about a, about, uh, a month after midsummer would be would be the right time to start. August, September, maybe, something like that. So what I'm telling you is these guys are attracted to yards that are well-kept, and they like certain types of plants. They like it as a food source, especially if those plants have, have tiny, tiny roots that they can feed upon, and that the mom who drops those insects, says, hey, I like this area. It's got a good food supply, and it's got some shelter, and there aren't too many other things. There are things that can go ahead and, uh, and cause, well, if you live in a part of, the, part of the world where there are skunks and raccoons, they're typically deadly on white grubs. Uh, they'll be digging around, in, usually in the spring of the year, they'll start digging around looking for those white grubs. They dig around anyway. But white grubs themselves, they can range in size anywhere from, in terms of some of the bill bugs that we see, they can be three-eighths of an inch long all the way up to some of the longhorn beetles uh, that pupate can cause, that feed on roots. Uh, and there are other insects that feed on roots too. So we can have, we can have grubs out there that are three or four inches long and all the way down to three-eighths of an inch long. So they, their size can vary. The kind that we usually uh, that we usually see are the shrimp sized, the large shrimp sized, what, 8 to 10 count? Is that what they call them in the grocery store when you buy shrimp? Uh, I don't eat shrimp much, but uh, I, I, I see them advertised like that. 8 to 10 count or something like that. But they're fairly lo- good sized on the the white grubs when they when they're about ready to pupate when they're about ready to change over into an adult so remember when they're first young they can be very small when you first see them they can be very small and missed easily i like to find them when they're about a half an inch long because they're still going to probably they're still going to be 3 quarters of an inch long by the time we get them and they're going to be actively feeding in there so if it oh and don't forget the biocontrols too there's the two primary biocontrols <clears throat> these are other kinds of of uh, biological animals that could be applied to the soil to control them one is a bacterium called milky spore you'll see it advertised the, it's kind of out there it's really more for japanese beetles but I will tell people to use milky spore just because I haven't a clue what they've got. 
And if they do have Japanese beetle, maybe that will maybe that's why we don't have it in in Nevada, in southern Nevada. Maybe because people are using milky spore. But the milky spore bacterium, <clears throat> you'll see it oftentimes on on grub control chemicals and whatnot, natural control chemicals. The other one I really have a lot more respect for than the milky spore bacterium are some of the nematodes. And the nematodes, if you're going to if your milky spore can be applied dry, it can be, but the nematodes can't. They really have a narrow window when you want to order them. You want to have a wet area. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you want to pay particular attention to if you're using the nematodes. And then go ahead when you get nematodes for control. And what's nice about the nematodes, if they work, if it's if you've got a beetle that will, if you've got a white grub that's susceptible to these nematodes. If if it works, the nice thing about them is as long as it stays moist, they'll continue to, and it has a food supply, so, namely the white grubs, the, the grubs themselves, they'll continue to flourish and they'll multiply. The milky spore bacterium takes a little bit of time for it to catch, but once it catches, so you don't get immediate control. It's not like putting an insecticide down where you'll get immediately con immediate control of something. It'll take some time. But those are the options that you have. And again, you look right at the time, right after it's in the early spring, early mid-spring, mid-spring to late to early summer, in that particular time range, wherever you're at. And then also, don't forget in the fall months, after they've flown, about a month after they've flown, and and if they've flown, then you know they've the the moms have laid their eggs, they've gone ahead and the the white grubs have hatched, especially if it's a warm soil, warm moist soil. They've hatched, they started feeding. They're upside down and they're gaining in size, and that's about a month later is before they pupate is when you want to get them when they're feeding. And I've given you some chemi some chemical names. I've given you some non-chemical approaches, such as the the bacteria and the nematodes. But uh, if you'll look online, I think you'll find them. Arbico is one of them that always comes to mind. But there are other places as well. But remember, whenever you're using those nematodes, it's got to be moist. They're worms. They're they're living creatures. So you got to. They can't be dried out. They they have to be applied when when a, a population is there. So. Most likely they'll contact you if you're going to order it online when they're available and whatnot, and they'll coach you through the whole thing. But just keep in mind, if they're, if they're accurate about it, they'll tell you about it. So anyway, those are my suggestions. Number one, you've got a great yard. That's why they like it. Number two, timing. Number three, use the right insecticide. If you don't want to use insecticides, locate them. Locate them and get them to the surface, collect them, do whatever you want with them, but get rid of them. And remember, about 10 per plant is all that most plants can tolerate. That's kind of the threshold, about 10 per uh, unit area. Uh, and if you've got more than that, then you've got a real problem going on. So I hear the, the music. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Look for me on my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's starting with an X. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter.